0: All right, welcome back in another edition of the damn podcast. Brandon Sprague, 1080 The Fan, Angie Machado, BeaverBlitz.com. Back again for another episode as the Beavers get ready to head to Boulder and play Colorado, who's coming off of a huge conference road win for themselves. Uh, But Oregon State coming off the loss against Boise State. And I'll tell you, Angie, that was some of the worst first-half football I've seen out of Oregon State in a long time.
1: Oh, especially that second quarter, Brandon. I mean, that was especially with the defense giving some pretty good offense or giving some good field position, and uh, the offense couldn't capitalize. And then the defense giving up 435 yards of of uh, yards in that first half, ugly.
0: You know, I'll say this too, because I was walking around a couple tailgates before I went in, because I, I think I'm officially no longer. I don't think I can sit in the media press box anymore. Uh, I think I enjoy having a beard, three, and uh, kind of sitting with with fans. But I noticed walking around tailgates and then getting into the stadium. Like you can't help but notice all the blue walking around and everybody that traveled from Boise or the Portland area uh to root on the, the Broncos, and I was like, oh, oh dear, here we go. A lot of Boise State fans. And there were a ton of them. Some of them you know, some of the bigger numbers of a visiting fan base that I've seen in a while in Reese. But that crowd was ready to go. Like Oregon State fans were loud at kickoff, they were amped. It was a Fox game and it felt like the team just i don't know what it was maybe give credit to boise state but there was an element for me watching it in the stands they got that turnover they got the touchdown and basically after that the crowds in it going crazy and it just didn't feel like they were ready i, I don't know what it was maybe it's just the reality of where the program is versus boise state but it, it just didn't it didn't leave you feeling great about the program at that moment
1: yeah it's first of all i'm jealous Going around tailgating and, and watching with fans, so yeah, I, I've decided I need to watch the game from the from the stands again. So, any any listeners out there want you know want to hook me up here? Let me know because. <laughs> I need a return to the stands for at least one game to check this out. But, uh, no, it was, it was kind of weird. And it wasn't even like right at the beginning. Well, it was at the beginning. I take that back because Boise came down and scored immediately. But then Oregon State punched right back. And uh, 7-7 with, I mean, it was like three minutes off the clock, not even three minutes. So, um, but, yeah, the student section was rocking. It really had a great atmosphere. And then it just kind of unraveled.
0: Yeah, and I left at halftime because I had to go. uh, I had to go check something at my car, so I'm leaving. And a ton of people. And granted, it's 31-7 at the half, so you know the the odds are not in your favor that any kind of comeback is going to happen. But you know, I just I was kind of surprised. That's such a commute for so many people. Like an hour and a half from Portland, an hour from from this place, Salem. It's like 45 minutes. Like a lot of people left. Like a lot of people were just flat out like, "This is pathetic. This is embarrassing. We're not even competing. I'm out of here." Um, But the second half was the big surprise because it wasn't Daryl Gerritsen at quarterback. They put in a kid that I think most people hadn't even heard of, Connor Blunt, a freshman, jump Marcus McMarion in the depth chart. We knew Mason Moran wasn't going to play, but they put in the freshman Connor Blunt citing injury for Daryl Gerritsen. So do you buy actual injury to Daryl Gerritsen?
1: I you know, I I didn't I didn't buy it. I you know, I I do know that Daryl's been beat up and and I do just wanna throw this out there. It's not blunt, it's blount. Blount like uh Sorry. Sorry. So uh, yeah, just it's blount. But um, yeah, I mean you have Garretson standing on the sidelines with his helmet on ready to go. So um you know, I think a lot of people were surprised that that McMarrion had been jumped, but uh he hadn't been practicing, or Blount had been practicing with the with the uh number ones and twos all week. So we kind of saw that coming. Mason Moran they are preserving his red shirt year, that's why we didn't see him. But um yeah, it was kind of just a weird, you know, I mean, we, we, we're all used to Coach Anderson and, and Coach Speak, and, and that's pretty much what you get from him media at media conferences and, and post-game and such. But, um, yeah, the, the Garretson being injured, why was he still sitting there? I think I would have put my sweats on and hung out in the sidelines in my comfies instead of keeping all the pads and everything on. But, yeah, just bizarro. And like I said, I know he's been beat up. I've heard he's had some rib sore ribs, and he wasn't a boot after the uh, Minnesota game. but. Yeah. You know but but why he not? didn't he didn't look 100% to be completely honest no, um, no, you he, know he wasn't running well but then you know the 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 fake he actually looked pretty darn good when he went off and Seth Collins passed him the ball
0: i, I think it was i honestly think this i i, I thought it was a mix of I, I not a mix i should just say i thought it was basically he looked like crap and he missed some throws he had some opportunities down the field he was overthrowing guys by 10 yards some of those throws weren't even close and letting his wide receivers have a chance at the ball. And
1: And he was dancing around a little, a little happy feet going he, he on. He was. There. And
0: look, I almost can't fault him for that because of the offensive lines play all year. Uh, he's probably got like, you know, in the back of his head, he's got this internal clock and it goes faster than it really needs to. But my whole thing is like if you're injured, and again, I hate questioning football players because they're the toughest people we have in in pro sports. But if you're injured, it doesn't look like you're injured when you're trotted back out there with your helmet on. You're walking around fine. There's no noticeable limp. You're clapping the huddle on as Blount goes back in there. You you at least, I think, if you're going to make it about an injury, can't you come out with something? A walking boot, some crutches, helmet off, shoulder pads off. Keep your pants on. That's fine. But they just didn't – it didn't look like an injury. It basically – to everybody in my section, and I was sitting in like 111, Everybody in my section was all like, "What's wrong with Garrettson He's just standing on the sidelines. Are they taking him out like for good? Has he been officially replaced?" Like nobody really knew what was going on. And then Gary Anderson cites the leg injury, and I- I'm sorry, like I love Gary Anderson, but I just didn't, I didn't buy that excuse. I didn't buy that reasoning.
1: Because you're coming out in crutches, darn it, Brandon. When you're when you're pulled, you're going to come off in, in crutches and a boot. Well, come out
0: and look like... It, 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 I, it, I think you're right, Angie. Like, come out with something, right? Crutch is yeah. a boot. Take the shoulder pads off. You mentioned the sweats. Like, make it look like you legitimately are injured. Uh, I thought that 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 replacement, that subbing out of of Garrettson for Blount was more about confidence. And, and basically, Gary Anderson saying, you don't have it. We stand almost no chance with the way you're playing. Uh, we're already down 31-7. I've got nothing to lose, and I've liked the way this kid has looked all week in practice. And I know he backed Garrettson in the post game and, and said he's still our quarterback. He's going to start. There's no quarterback controversy. Um, but I, I don't know. There was just an element of the whole injury thing. I wasn't buying that at all.
1: Yeah, but what if I'm a Beaver fan? I'm I'm kind of liking what I see from Gary Anderson, and you know now we we hear that Sean Harlow will be playing left tackle this week. After you know, for all intents and purposes, he was going to redshirt this year and uh, kind of take a longer recovery back uh, from that foot injury. And this is or this is Coach Anderson saying we are going to win, and and I think he knows how important getting a win or two under their belt mm-hmm. is just for confidence and, and people buying into, you know, the team buying into what him and the staff are telling them. You know, it's, it's so demoralizing to go out and you're doing everything the staff tells you, and you lose, and you lose, and you lose. So they're doing whatever they can. Those coaches are, are clawing and scratching and throwing haymakers to try to do whatever they can to, to win a game.
0: Well, and I'll tell you what I really did like, um, even if I, I question kind of the injury excuse, what I do like is that he's going back to Garrettson and that he – you know, he's adamant that that's his quarterback, that he's going to stick with him. Um, because here's the interesting part of what Oregon State is and what Gary Anderson is trying to do. Clearly wants to rebuild this thing and get it to a point where they're contending in the North and trying to win a Pac-12 title, right? So the important part of that is not only moving on from former players from the former regime. Uh, it's getting all these freshmen, sophomores as much experience to where they go in it next year. They're getting closer and they're competing and they're pulling some upsets and they're maybe winning six games and getting to a bowl game. What I like about that or what he's done mixing in with that theme, I don't like I like that he's not going back to Blount and he's not saying Blount played well. I'm gonna sit Garretsen in favor for him because the kid did play well in the second half. I still maintain it's harsh. It's kind of a pessimistic thought. I just really thought Boise State quit. It's 31-7. I don't think they ever thought that game was in jeopardy. They got the pick six. They got the, you know, they got the insurance touchdown. They were fine. But I I like that he didn't take that second half and say, great, this quarterback played well. I'm going to put him in because if there's anything I think about this season, it's that they're not that great, but you play as much youth as you can with a mix of the vets because I think you have to try to win as many as you can this year because not winning games is not building any confidence going forward. This program's not going to be used to not winning. And I think Garrettson gives you that better chance.
1: Oh, completely. And, and we saw what happened, you know, last year when they went between three different quarterbacks. We saw, you know, what happens to an offense when, you know, remember the Vaz, Cats, Mannion back and forth. So um, you can't win when you have too many quarterbacks. But yeah, trying to claw and scratch and get that win is huge. And uh, you know, I, I did a little number crunching thing on this, on Beaver Blitz just two days ago. Uh-huh. Fifteen freshmen, true freshmen or redshirt freshmen, have played this year.
0: Really? 15? 15. 15. Wow. See, and that that's a good thing for the future, but I don't want it to be at, at some key positions, and one of them is quarterback, because yeah, I'm sorry, exactly. that Blount kid, as good as you think he looked in that second half, he's not beating a Pac-12 team. And if he does, yeah. it's going to be one of yeah, like Arizona game, maybe. But overall, I think it's better for this team. They're in a better spot with a Daryl Garretson. I, I just hope that his... I hope he's okay. I hope that he's feeling better, and I hope that his confidence is good going yeah, into Boulder.
1: I, I hope his psyche is good. And you know what? That, what that game also does is, you know, there were several recruits at that game. You know, a couple Washington State commits that were there. Yeah, I was sitting and, next to him. Okay, you were. Okay, I so yeah, those guys were all there, and uh, it shows that Anderson's willing to put in a true freshman if need be.
0: Well, and I've always cited on the podcast like you're you're the recruiting expert. You you know these kids. You communicate with them. Uh, You have the best feel, I think, of Oregon State recruiting of anybody. Uh, I don't know any of the kids' names. Some of the pictures that I've seen on social media since that game, they looked familiar. Uh, But what I heard, because I was literally a couple rows behind them, uh, and then that place emptied out and some of them were still up there, so I could hear what they were saying. And basically the feel I got was even though Oregon State was getting their ass kicked and slowly clawing back, uh, I still got a good feel from a lot of those recruits They were like, man, this stadium's really nice. I kept hearing them talk about Coach Anderson, uh, talking about some of the other coaches on the staff, and just saying, you know, kind of an amped up feel of, man, if I'm here, it's going to be changed. It's going to get better. Like, or more of an optimistic look at the program's future with Gary Anderson. Uh, Than a, oh man, they're down 31 14. Like, this is ugly and this is embarrassing. I'm not going here. You know what I mean? Yeah, and,
1: and so that's, you know, we caught up with those guys. And so, two of those guys, Tyari Venable and uh, Charles Moku Watson, both Washington State commits, they got home from their trip. Charles Watson loved everything about it. He told me he thought, I mean, campus was awesome, true college town. He loved the vibe at the stadium. And the thing we hear from all of them is how much they love the coaches. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he turned around and decommitted from Washington State. Now, he could still, in up there. He will take a trip to to Wazoo, but um, he liked what he thought Oregon State enough to open things back up and say, hey, I'm not 100% with the Cougars. And uh, Tyari Venable loved everything about his trip. It'll be interesting because I I do think the Beavers are still in the mix with him.
0: Yeah, that's going to be really fascinating. I think the recruiting aspect, I think, of our podcast is kind of what sets it apart from others and you know, it's just an element that I think adds for, for listeners out there of what you can kind of provide in terms of breaking down some of these kids. Because that you know, at times, I think, for certain programs like Alabama, right? Alabama always gets the four or five-star kids. And most years, we don't need to talk about it because they're going to be loaded from the other group that they recruited two years prior. But I think a program like Oregon State, it's so vital because if you think Gary Anderson and this program are truly going to be an 8-9, 10-win type program at some point... Uh, these are the kids that are going to be the ones leading it. And so that's why I think it's so important right now for them uh, to have those moments where these kids come and they visit, they're committed to other programs, but they're so impressed with the facilities, with the campus, with the coaching staff, that they go home and they decommit from the other programs.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and the relationships that the staff has built over all their years, everywhere they've been, it's it's been huge too. Uh, There was a surprise visitor this weekend, Craig Evans, was a starter at Michigan State, a D-Tackle originally from Wisconsin, so he knows Coach Anderson, Coach Chad, and such. He left Michigan State in April, transferred to Arizona Western Junior College, and from what I've heard called Oregon State coaches, called Coach Chad last week and said, hey, I want to come visit. I want to check you guys out. So I mean, this is a, a legit four- or five-star kid, checks out Corvallis. Um, I believe he's checking out Arkansas as well because he, he has ties with Belama. But, um, you know, just great, great connections that are going to help Oregon State down the road.
0: Damn that Brett Bielema.
1: I know. Damn that Brett Belama. <laughs> and then just, you know, since we're kind of talking recruiting and along those lines, you know, I do. I get to know these kids and their families. And I got, um, you know, Beaver Blitz, we do a on uh, the commits and how they're doing with their season and the quarterback commit, Aiden Willard, who I think beaver fans are going to love, actually grew up a huge beaver fan. He's Napa, California. He um, injured his knee a couple weeks ago like carted off the field type injury and I they found it was no structural damage, but he did have a scope to remove some extra cartilage that was floating around. And I heard today everything went as planned. There is no structural damage, no um, long lengthy rehabs, and no like long-term prognosis of any problems. He'll be good to go. And he may be able to suit up again for his high school on senior night. So huge news for Oregon state fans. Um, you know, quarterback is so hugely important. So uh, to get that news today is, is big.
0: Well, and I, I don't think there's any doubt, like when people talk about Oregon state and where it is and where it's going uh, based on everything I've gotten from you and reading Beaver Blitz and following Twitter, you know, uh, shout outs of kids that are committing, decommitting, etc. Uh, I think all the information we've gathered from that, the coaching staff can clearly recruit. And yeah. I, I just think it's pretty evident at this point that that's not going to be the problem. It's just going to be about, are they recruiting the right kids? And can these kids truly develop into the players that they need for their systems? And, you know, if there's anything that uh, kind of stuck out for me over the uh, during the game for Boise State, aside from like the X's and O's and the loss... I kept thinking about the AD when I was in the stands because I'm opposite the old alumni section. And I checked out the Terrace. The Terrace, by the way, is badass. Uh, it's great. Uh, if you get a chance to go to the Terrace for any games this year, highly recommend doing it. It looked like a great time. They got a couple food trucks in there. Um, it's a really great addition. But I kept looking at the alumni side because you know part of what went through my mind was the Gary Anderson timetable of getting this program back, uh, recruiting because I was thinking about our podcast a little bit during the game, And then the other thing was the AD, the AD hire that they're going to have to make. And just how important that is, because I looked at that alumni side.
1: It needs to get done. It's so
0: damn old. It looks ugly. They need to just make this thing a full stadium now and connect everything and have a legit research stadium. And I just kept thinking about the AD hire and and what, how important that's going to be to hire a mouthpiece, not necessarily a person that has to worry about hiring, firing people. That's always going to be important. But they need a mouthpiece. They need somebody that's going to go in there, rally the boosters, and get the money because you got to finish this stadium. It's so close. The terrace is great. The other side is great. Just get rid of that alumni side and finish that damn
1: stadium. It, it needs to be done. It is. It's an eyesore. And, and and just, you know, the facilities aren't good. It's, you know, that's the final piece of the puzzle. And from what I'm hearing, they are actually want to tie that in with the 150th uh birthday or anniversary of Oregon State, which is, I believe, in 2017. But to me, that's – or 2018? 2018, 2018. But that's almost getting too, too far down the road because if you're fundraising in 2018, yeah. that mean, that's not going to be done for another, you know, five, six years. So yep. um, it's it needs to happen.
0: Well, and you wonder, too, because I think the the narrative of Gary Anderson and the AD, I think that's an overblown storyline. I don't know if I said that on the last podcast, but, I mean, you hire an AD that's going to get along with every coach. That's probably a given. Uh, but he's had three jobs in seven years. And and I'm not saying that he's going to abandon. There's an element of him that I feel like he is committed. He loves the rebuilding project. Uh, he I think he's a little more over his head than he originally thought he would be when he came here and didn't make a visit, just said, I'm going to Oregon State. But there's an element for me that I think in the back of your mind, three jobs in seven years, you could make reasons for why he's been here, there, and, and now – uh, but that can't leave you 100% confident, too. You know, when you tell me the new side's going to be done by 2018, uh, I'm starting to worry, like, well, at what point is Gary Anderson looking and to go, come on, how is this not done until 2018? This should be done next year. You know what I mean? Yeah, e- elements yeah. like that make me worried.
1: You know, I've heard that a lot. I mean, we hear that that discussion on Beaver Blitz and, you know, Gary Anderson and, you know, the Wisconsin fans like to talk about him bouncing and did he know what he was getting into. And I I do honestly believe his narrative that he took this job, not just because he likes rebuilding. He took this job because he loves these small college towns. He loved his job at Utah State. And I think Corvallis is like Logan, Utah, only it's bigger and a a power five school. I mean, he – I think he legitimately loves – this campus, this university, and and sees himself here for, for the long, ta- long haul.
0: Yeah, and, and that's kind of a topic that uh, I've been thinking about, too, was you know, Gary Anderson and his time at Oregon State, and it's only been, it's been a season now and three games. And, and I, I want to preface this by saying I am in no way panicked. Nobody probably should be. But there's, there's two things I want to bring up. The first one, and I'll ask, I'll ask you this question, Angie. The first one is what your timetable was for the program to be a bowl team and then slash what the timetable was to get to where you think Gary Anderson can get it. And the second part of that would be, have you recalibrated at all with a season and three games under his belt? As far
1: as this season?
0: Just based on what you've seen, uh, them getting to a bowl – and then them getting to competing to where Gary Anderson wants it as a program. How many years did you think it was going to be versus what you've seen now for a season and three games?
1: Well, okay, so when when this first I thought I thought two years, right? You know, I was like, oh, it'll be a two year deal. But I didn't really realize that this was. You know, I probably said this a year ago. I didn't realize that he was completely imploding everything. This wasn't like Coach Riley and Lincoln where he kind of comes in and is keeping a little bit of the running aspect with the quarterback but kind of bringing in some of his own pro-style type stuff. This was a complete just nuke the, nuke the program and start building from the ground up. So, um, you know, I thought two years. I, I did talk to a friend of mine who a, 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 was a Pac-12 coach, and he's, he laughed at me. And he said, no, this is major. This is like three to four years. Which made me kind of stop and kind of that was in December. I was kind of like, "Oh, whoa, really?" Um, This year, I thought they would be more competitive than they are by now. Um, Just competing. I mean, I think what did I say? Four or five wins. I think I said four or five wins at the beginning of the year. Mm -hmm. I think that'll be tough. I do think by year four is it's a major bowl game, major or not major, but a decent bowl game. Not the Idaho Potato Bowl, but something a little more decent,
0: like an eight-win season type. Yeah, play, right? yeah, I think eight,
1: eight, nine-win season. It could potentially be the the goal in for you know in what two more years.
0: In two more years, okay, all
1: right. Now, I think next year they should be more competitive. Yeah, and a bowl team.
0: And, and you know, Vegas had the over under at three and a half. I laid a hundred dollars on that on the under. Uh, I didn't think, I don't th- I still don't. And I didn't think that there was any way they were going to go into four games. I just didn't like the schedule. Yeah. I was too unsure. And I think whenever you're unsure, you bet the other way. Um, and I, I know that sucks cause I'm betting against my own program. I you know, I'm alum of that, of that university. But the thing with, with the whole rebuild is, and a listener pointed this out on our radio show. Um, it's funny the way people view Gary Anderson cause he's, he's very well spoken He gives very thoughtful responses. He's very honest in saying the kids played like crap, and that's on us. You know, he just takes accountability. Mm -hmm. But a listener pointed out a good point, and I know all circumstances are different, but it got me thinking, admittedly, for like a half hour about this. A listener points out, it's like, it's funny all this stuff about Gary Anderson and how great it is and how great it's going to be. Year two, they don't look much better versus their opponents. They lost to Minnesota, say what you want. They got blown out by Boise, came back in the second half. They didn't look great against Idaho State. Where on the schedule do you see another win? And the listener also pointed out, you know, Mike Leach went to Wazoo. It's not like Pullman is a much better place for recruiting and winning than Corvallis. And in year two, they were in a bowl game so yeah, he was yeah. just drawing comparisons and saying it's funny that everybody's okay saying ah Gary Anderson four or five years but Mike Leach gets to year two in Wazoo and granted he was three and nine the following year but in year two they go to a bowl game
1: I, I see this more though like Colorado it, it's you know they're Colorado it's, this is year four mm-hmm. under McIntyre and I, they had their worst year actually in year two yeah that's
0: a good point and and so, I, I always think circumstances are different but I, I will admit like when he said that I was kind of like yeah they did go to a full game in year 200 leads, didn't they? But, you know, I, I think the whole, the blowing blowing it up thing, I think, is what really, there's a factor Oh, because I think there. last
1: year, last year they could have, if they would have kind of kept the offense similar and to kind of, you know, to Riley's. Yeah. And didn't, you know, chase off a bunch of people just because they don't fit the system, they probably would have won one or four or five games last year. You think so? Possibly. I think this year, yeah, I, I, I mean, the wins on the schedule are going to be tough pickings, but I do see that Boise State game after the second half, if that was last year's team, yeah. that team would have lost by 40 to 50 to Boise. Gotcha. Yeah. So it is better. I mean, I do see major, you know, I see improvements, but yeah, I don't, and, you know, we talked to Jordan Villamant earlier in the week, and it's like, how, why have the first halves been so disastrous? You know, he's, he just keeps talking focus, but at some point... Somebody's got to, you know, communicate to these guys. I mean, if you're not going to come out and play four quarters, then why do it?
0: Yeah, and I'm looking at the schedule now. So at Colorado, we'll get to that here in a second. Then Cal at home, Utah at home, at Washington, Washington State, Stanford at UCLA, Arizona at home, and then you get the Civil War uh, to finish the year off. I mean, look, it's so week to week sometimes in football, NFL, or college, a lot can change, but if you were to honestly say, hey, who would be the favorites, I don't see one game where they would be the favorites. In fact, the only game I see that I would be willing to pick them in would be at home November 19th, before hey, the Arizona. Civil War, Arizona. I think they for sure could beat Arizona at home. Um, yeah. Outside of that, and they, might, they may have an upset. Maybe they beat Utah, or maybe they stop Cow, or maybe, hell, they maybe they win the Civil War, which would just be tremendous, I think, for the program finishing the season. Uh, it's hard for me to be realistic and say, yeah, outside of Arizona, I see another win. I don't know if I do outside of Arizona.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm right there with you. I mean, I think Cal, I think that's one that, you know, Cal's kind of a Jekyll and Hyde team. Utah, they look really tough, but then again, you know, I, I could see Oregon State. You they can't know.
0: pass the ball if you slow their running game yeah, down. Their, their defense is tough, down. but if you slow their running game down, you could win.
1: So, you know, I see that, you know, and, and Anderson, obviously, and Whittingham go mm-hmm. way back. So there's some history there. And they both want to play that same type of smash-mouth football. But Arizona, yeah, I mean, they're not going to beat Sanford on the road. No. They're not going to beat Colorado on the road.
0: No, you're not beating Washington. I don't think you're beating UCLA. Uh, Washington State, I think, has too much offense. I don't. I just don't think—Trustin Deku has been the best corner, uh, I think, in the country, outside of maybe Jabril Peppers, but he's a Heisman candidate. Uh, but statistically— Tristan Deku has actually been one of, if not the best, cornerback in coverage yeah. in the country, not just the conference. So that helps. But I, I just think there's it's tough sledding for him. Uh, it, this looks like a two-win team. It really does. Yeah, it does. Um, so Colorado this week. Um, don't think anybody's panicking with Gary Anderson, by the way. Uh, I just think it's interesting to think about if people have recalibrated. And, you know, I thought about this a lot. And I would say Gary Anderson, for me, it's a four- or five-year project. And yeah. year four, look, next year you want to see steps, no doubt. And if you tell me they should be in a bowl game, uh, I'd be down for that. I don't know if I would be I mean, outraged you, if they didn't.
1: You look at it, they'll have a senior quarterback. The line will have another year experience. You're only, well, you're losing, uh, you would be losing two. Or well, three actually now with Harlow. Mm-hmm. Back. Um, so that's, you know, some question marks. But you did get some guys that got some playing time.
0: Yeah. You'll lose Bolden, but, I mean, you, you got so Bolden. many young guys there. You're okay. Uh, defensively you'd still be okay you lose Deku, but outside of that After,
1: outside of that you you lose uh, Caleb Solo but yeah. other than that it's it's pretty it's a pretty young group so next year could be a, a, you know you, i mean you damn well better see some uh, improvement next year
0: Yeah and Colorado cuz this game's going to be real fascinating just from the uh, aspect of what you mentioned Angie Colorado being kind of your your goal your target of where you want to be Colorado and your four under Mac, Mike McIntyre uh, nobody really gave the Buffs a chance they were lauding during pac media day hey we have the most returning people of anybody in the conference and everybody's like oh, who cares It means you suck um, but Colorado has really proven people wrong they're they're what are they three and one
1: three and one I and mean, they you know took Michigan right up to you know.
0: Yeah, if Leafau doesn't get hurt, uh, they may maybe they find a way to win that game, and then they just beat Oregon at Atkinson. So, at year four under color, under Mike McIntyre at Colorado, it's uh, it's proven to be pretty damn impressive this year.
1: Yeah, pretty funny actually too. Before that game started, Lindsay Chanel was sitting beside us in the press box, and she said something about like Colorado, and I thought she meant Oregon. Saying, I said, well, there's a chance. I just I'm not giving it much hope. And she's like, you think that Oregon or Colorado can beat Oregon? And I'm like, oh yeah, there's a chance there. And she laughed and.
0: Yeah, I don't know why that would be funny. They they literally took Michigan. Michigan's one of the best teams in the country, yeah, and they were history. up twenty one to seven at Michigan.
1: Yeah, yeah. So uh, my thing, Colorado was, is you know they they have some great skill guys. Their defense is tough, and then you add in the and I know it, it sounds so stupid to say the the altitude, but yeah, believe me, those boys playing in the valley, it's totally different when you're up there and. What is it, like thirty five hundred feet or four thousand feet or something crazy?
0: Well, and for Colorado, too, it's it's they're such a balanced team. They really are. Like you could you can point in a lot of programs, I think, in the conference and say offensively, this team's great. Defensively, they're terrible, or vice versa. Uh, Colorado's about as balanced as you get. Like they're they're top five in rushing offense. Uh, they're third in passing defensively, they're top five in rush defense. Uh, pass defense, they're secondary. They're number one. They only allow 163 yards a game. So they're incredibly balanced. And I want. I know a lot of people want optimism and, hey, pick the Beavers to win. I'm not going to do that. Uh, I think Colorado's a very good team. Mike McIntyre deserves some credit for what they're doing. But 18 points, that's a lot of points. Is it uh, up to 18 now? Yeah, it's been bet up to 18. It started ah. at, fifth, it started at 16. 16. It's been bet up to 18 and a half.
1: Wow,
0: so people are thinking basically a three touchdown victory for Colorado, which wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility. But I also just can't expect Can Oregon State play worse than they did, and they only <laughs> lost. Boise State's a good team. I think Boise State. Yeah, and Boise.
1: Are, I mean, that's, you know, looking at Boise, they would be a middle of the Pac twelve team, upper middle.
0: Aren't them in Colorado comparable?
1: Yeah, I would say so.
0: So I mean, and you lost by what fourteen in that game? I, I could kind of see the same thing for Oregon State this weekend. Uh, I like that. I like that's tasty points, action if you're into betting. But uh, I don't know. I just want to see the effort. You know, that's it for me. I want to see the effort. I want to see a turnaround in the first half starting that game versus the Buffs.
1: Yeah, I, I want to see a full, you know, a whole 60 minutes. And none of this let down. And, and granted, they're young guys. They're going to make mistakes. Um, you know, I talked to a, a friend of mine who used to play at Oregon State, and he was at the game. He was all kind of bummed after the game. And then the next day, he calls and he goes, you know, I, I'm rewatching really this game. And really, it's, it's not as bad as I thought it was. Yeah. Uh,
0: I will concur with your friend in this. When you're there, it seemed just way worse.
1: Oh, it seemed bad. It uh-uh. seemed bad. But, you know, he's, and, and, it's, and it's so cliche to say this, but, you know, a missed tackle here or a missed catch. And that's a totally different game.
0: Yeah, I mean, but that's what you do at home, though. You have to take advantage of those moments, you know? I mean, it
1: reminds me back when I was a college student and and the Beavers got, uh, or you know, it was back 93 to 97. I'm Mm -hmm. old. And uh, we would sit around the sorority house with our houseboys and we would discuss how the Beavers, you know, we could rationalize how we were like the number one team in the country. Because we beat so-and-so, who beat so-and-so, who beat so-and-so, who beat beat (laughs) so-and-so. Who beat so-and-so, who beat Oklahoma State, which makes us
0: champions.
1: (laughs) So I feel really bad saying, well, a missed tackle here and a missed catch. Yeah. But no, it it really, you know, it it is the truth.
0: All right, let's get to some damn questions from some listeners out there. I had one listener that just found our podcast. Uh, I thought he was like a longtime Oregon State, like, P1 of our podcast, listen to it all the time, and he tweets me. And I recognize the handle, and he goes, "Hey, just found the podcast, man. Good work." Oh, welcome. And I was like, "All right, thanks for listening." But he he gave me a music, uh, some music that he he suggests we play during damn uh, damn questions. I, okay. didn't, I haven't gotten a chance to really listen to it or put it on our uh, our audio system here, so I will give it. A, I give that a listen, and uh, maybe... I think
1: we should play. Oops, I did it again. <laughs>
0: And Behind-the-scenes
1: uh, bloopers here, um, damn listeners. Oh, yeah. Brandon has a couple times here where, like, him and I will start talking, going into the damn podcast, and then he'll be like, ah. He might say a choice word or two and say, I forgot to hit record. Uh,
0: legitimately, for one day, we talked for 15 minutes, <laughs> and I literally didn't record. And so, basically, it was like a movie. We had to say the same stuff over. And then today, we talked for, like, five and I pick it up, and I go, "Oh my god, I don't think I recorded." And I even
1: when I picked up the phone, I said, "Are you recording?"
0: I know, and I'm. I like. I I was like laughing at that notion of like, "Oh, I wouldn't do that again." And then, of course, I did it again. So, so. yes, okay. Um, well, I can't
1: wait. We need some songs. Good and uh, welcome. Thank you for listening to the damn podcast. Uh,
0: I'll start it off. I know you got a couple questions on Beaver Blitz. Uh, I'll start off with a listener by the name of Matthew uh, MTT Young O Eight. He says, "Will we win another game this year? What are our best <laughs> chances for a win?"
1: Well, we kind of talked about that Arizona, I think. Is
0: would you circle any other game that you give them a good shot at? I mean, there's some there's questions, but like a good shot.
1: Well, they're all questions, but I mean, Cal. I'm looking at Cal at home. I'm looking at Civil War, and I'm looking at Arizona. I okay. think those home games you know, maybe Washington State. Just depending. I don't I have not paid a ton of attention to Washington State except for the legal troubles they've been having. So
0: Washington State and Cal basically the same team. Uh I don't feel good about that. I'll Just because say, they can
1: put up so much offense.
0: Yes, I'll say this. Uh I circle Arizona, so that leaves you at two. And I I don't care what anybody tells me. Uh call me a homer if you want. I really believe this. I think you circled the Civil War. I oh, think I did. That, yeah, I think that Duck defense is god awful. Um, you're in Corvallis. You came so close last year in that second half. Uh, I think that crowd is going to be. There's always a lot of Duck fans and Beaver fans in both. But I think that crowd is going to be amped up. You're probably not going to be a bowl team. So basically, it's your bowl game. Um, and I expect some good fight. So I'll circle the Civil War just because I think that rivalry game. Um, it got a lot. It got a lot of their juices flowing last year for kids who weren't as familiar with it.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. So, um, Beaven Washington has a Pac-12 question for us. Okay. Which team is your biggest surprise, positive, and who is your biggest letdown so far in the conference?
0: Ooh. Um, biggest surprise, positive. I. This is hard to answer before Friday. But I'll, I'll say it's a tie. I think positive. I'll go tie here. The first, I'd want to say Washington, but Washington has basically played nobody. They struggled a little bit against Arizona. They should have won that game by four touchdowns. But they allowed a running quarterback to dominate them. The Stanford game is going to tell us a lot. If they beat Stanford, it has to be Washington. And I don't even think that's a contest. The second one, and this will surprise you, Cal. Um, hmm. Cal was not picked to be a bowl team. A lot of people thought Cal lost Goff. They lost uh, the Treggs kid. Yeah, They lost some good talent, and no, it hasn't really been that big a deal. They had a loss against San Diego State, but San Diego State's not a bad football team. Cal has been impressive to me, and I think they're going to continue to be one of those 6-7 win teams this year that uh, knocks a couple people off, including potentially Utah this weekend. And bad? Surprising me for bad, it's got to be USC. I, I don't know how it's yeah. not the Trojans. Clay Helton loses to ASU this weekend. He's going to get freaking fired. Um, that's there's no doubt about it. They have talent. The sanctions conversation is done. It's over with. You can't have that excuse this year. You have too much experience.
1: They have so much talent too. And just, they have unreal.
0: flipping sucked. It has to be USC.
1: Yeah, I right there with you. Colorado, Oregon.
0: by the way, deserves some some kudos
1: in that conversation. Yeah, well, too. I was going to say my biggest surprise would be Colorado, just because uh, I mean I, th- I knew they'd be improved. I didn't think they'd be three and one right now and almost have knocked off you know number four Michigan mm-hmm. and. Oregon, I think, is a is a little bit of a letdown. i, I never been a fan of their secondary the past couple of years, and, and that's proving, again, to be kind of an Achilles heel. But I think that was, I mean, to lose at home to Colorado is, is pretty big.
0: Yeah, you want some insight on, uh, you want to know how crazy Duck fans going. We talked about that on Monday. And uh, if they lose to Washington State, that seat that uh, Mark Helfrich sits on to study game film, it's going to be scorching red hot. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, I'm with you on that too.
1: Okay, freezer twelve says, "What project would you tackle first if you were the AD? Gut, gill, and renovate, or Reese or Westside?
0: Reese West Side.
1: Yeah, not no even question, freezer. It's Reesor West Side. No, no offense to basketball. I know they're doing better, but football is is what pays the bills.
0: Football's king. Keep Gary Anderson happy. I think he'll be happy anyway. Um, but just for it just for sight, you know, going to games and seeing it. Like that old that old side sticks out like a sore thumb. The terrace looks great now. Uh finish the stadium. By the way, Oregon State's arena, I know it needs to be revamped a little bit. There's an old element that I like about it. And yeah, me I'll too. say this for the gym that was in Eugene that they used to play in, I liked that too just because I awesome. like old school hoop feel and uh I just I love Gil Coliseum. So yeah, you can make it better, but you for sure gotta go west side of Reeser.
1: And then um, I know we have to wrap this up here, but this is actually a pretty good one. We kind of talked about being a mouthpiece, but J.T. Beaver asked, on the A.D., not only what do you want to see in the next A.D., but um, what was missing under Stansberry, and did Gary Anderson have a difficult relationship with him, and why?
0: Oh, I've never heard anything about Gary Anderson and Stansberry having problems.
1: Yeah, It was interesting, though, because last week before the news broke that Sansbury left, Anderson addressed scheduling some. Yeah. And he was talking about that that's not how he would schedule. And a lot of that, though, can't be placed on Stansbury. Those, Those are the schedules games. Schedules are made, yeah. yeah, made way far in advance. But then he also then, after it was announced, made a comment about how he wanted an AD who wasn't worried about, you know, jumping and self-promotion kind of yeah. thing and, and being on a bunch of committees.
0: Um... <laughs> first of all, if you're asked to be on committees, I, I think that means your program's pretty damn good. I don't have a problem with that. Um, I don't look at that as, like, the relationship was bad. I think that's just him talking and saying, hey, look, like, he wasn't a perfect AD and these are elements that I think, hey, if we're looking for a candidate, this is an area we can look for in the next one. Overall, as replacements, I mean, we talked about this a little bit last week. I, I really like a guy, and this was thrown at me by a, a radio listener of mine, but Thinking about options, first of all, I told you Mark Massari was not an option. He didn't even get the interim nod. So I just never thought that was realistic. I think this is going to be an outside hire, but I want to see a guy or a girl with a good mouthpiece. Like, go out there and be able to show me that you can talk to people, you can convince people, rally people, Bernie Sanders everybody, and get $27 donations from everybody and get billions or millions and millions of dollars. Um, but I like the guy from Holy Cross. I forget his name slipped my mind, but you worked with him, other knew him a little Nate,
1: bit. Nate Pine.
0: Nate Pine. I like an option like that. I think somebody like that who's familiar with Oregon State, but has also gone outside of the region, has experience, I think that's a good name type candidate.
1: There's, like I said, there's a bunch if you want to stick with that. I mean, do you think it's important that they have a history with Oregon State?
0: No, that's not vital for me. Um, it's pretty – I don't think you have to have a relationship or history – to know what you're getting in here, it's it's a small college town hidden in Oregon. Uh, haven't had all the success in the world, but right now their athletics look pretty damn lined up for the future to come. I don't think you need to know the history of Oregon State. You can connect with people without having to have lived here uh, for any amount of years. Like you can come to Oregon, talk to Beaver fan, and get a good feel within 15 minutes of the program.
1: Yeah, yeah, agree. Do you like the, the committee named? You know, you have Steven Jackson on it. and you got some. Oh,
0: uh, committee named. I thought you were talking about Stansbury being invited to committee. No, no, no,
1: no. Oh. no. The, the committee they named.
0: Yeah, it's it's fine. I, I like Steven Jackson being on it, still being involved with the program. I think that's pretty kick-ass. Uh, I'm fine with it. Uh, I saw a couple of people wondering like why players current players are being on it. It's like you have to have the student perspective on it. Yeah,
1: exactly. Um, I thought people were upset Gary Anderson wasn't on it well Dude, he's, he's got a tough job he's he's coaching football right now people. yeah
0: he's coaching football they're not i don't think they're going to make this decision hastily uh i wouldn't be shocked actually if they waited till after the season ended but also do you really think gary anderson's not involved in those conversations exactly. he doesn't have to be on the committee to actually be on the decision slash uh conversation line exactly is that it
1: That's it. I think we've got it.
0: All right, so good stuff from listeners out there. We appreciate all the love we've been getting. Uh, Quick score prediction, Colorado. Wrap this thing up.
1: I actually had a – I haven't put this out on paper yet. I said 41 to 24,
0: Colorado. Ooh, I like that prediction. Uh, I'm going to go all touchdowns for the Buffs. I've got something kind of similar. I'm going to go 42-27. There you go. Um, but I'm worried about Colorado's defense. They are Yeah, they're they are aggressive,
1: fast, yeah. But uh, I, I just want it. like you said earlier, we need to see a, a full team effort for 60 minutes.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, thanks, everybody, for the questions. We're going to wrap this thing up. Uh, let's hope Oregon State has some good fight against the Buffs. Tune in next week for another edition of The Damn Podcast. Brandon Sprague, Tennessee The Fan, Angie Machado, beaverblitz.com.